Glad that you can listen. I'm Dr. Barry Harker, and you are listening to Life Learnings, conversations with Christians about their lives and ministry. My guest today is David Aitken. David lives in Perth and has a singing ministry called God's Love for You. David has an amazing story about how he came to be a gospel singer. We're going to hear some of David's songs during our conversation. In the first part of the program, David will tell us about his musical journey. David sang at the dedication of the 3ABN Studios in 2013. After the break, I'll be talking with David about his early life and spiritual development. Welcome, David. Thank you, Barry. It's lovely to have you. What's the weather like over your way in Perth? Uh, You probably don't want to know. It was actually really, really nice. (laughs) Uh, But we're acclimatising. Good. It's great to have you here today. Now, we're going to start today, David, by listening to one of your songs. David, would you like to introduce this one for us? Absolutely. This song, the title of this song is called I Can See. And it was written by David Meese and Gloria Gaither, who are extremely well-known artists in uh, the gospel ministry, music. And it's a story, uh, a real story uh, taken from the Bible. And what's fascinating with this story is it's in regard to two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus. And they don't recognize this third person that shows up. And uh, the song takes you through that story and how things that happen they are able to recognize. Um, Very powerful message. Well, let's listen to the song now. He walked beside me Like he'd been there All along Not a stranger But a father Who could sense When something's wrong And he answered All my questions And he understood my fear That somehow Vanished now That he was he can't you see who walks with you can't you hear who speaks your name can't you feel something stirring in your heart how his words ring strong and true like a wall And the path we follow from now on be the same. I couldn't bear for him to leave me, 
So I begged him, please, to stay Spend the evening a few moments Before he went his way Then, like a host, he stood and blessed me Broke the bread and poured the wine Then I knew there was something there I recognized Yes, I can see Who walks with me I can hear Who speaks my name I can feel Something stirring In my heart How his words Ring strong and true Like a wall And see, and from that moment in time, I felt the emptiness subside, and all the wonder of creation shining through. And for the first time in my life, I really looked into his eyes. So eternity and suddenly I knew Yes, I can see I can see who walks with me I can hear who speaks my name I can feel something stirring in my heart How his words still ring strong and true Like a once familiar strain And I know I'll never be the same I can see I can see, I can see, David, that's a really amazing song. What does it mean to you? There, there are a number of things, actually. Probably the, uh, the critical um, part of this song that had such an impact on me when I first heard it was the portion uh, where the disciple recognises Jesus when he stands up and breaks the bread and asks the blessing. And it's, it's like a light that gets flicked on um, in the darkness is um, disappears and, and light just shines. It's like you, you remember the experience that someone's pointed to you in the sky. Say, see, see the shape of the horse up there, 
and you look up there and for the life of you, you can't see. It's just a cloud. And you wonder at your friend, it's like, what on earth are they talking about? And then all of a sudden, you see the shape of that horse. And then from there on, you can't see anything but that horse. And this whole experience of I can see on the road to Emmaus is about that, of recognizing who Jesus really is, that these precious, precious disciples, um, once they realized who he was, they didn't want to let him go. Mm. And, mm. Uh, and that's how, uh, I guess for me, that's how I feel with this beautiful song, that uh, once you have hold of Jesus, you don't ever want to let him go. David, were you always a singer? No. Um, there's a fascinating story behind that uh, question. Uh, but the, the simple answer is no, I wasn't always a singer. So tell me how you came to be a singer. Well, it probably lit, I need to take you back to 1995 mm-hmm. uh, in the process. Um, just prior to uh, 95, I was a self-employed carpenter and a business was going well. Um, I had lots of dreams and one particular dream was in relation to working for the Lord uh, somehow in my carpentry with, uh, with my business. So my plan of attack was to work for six months and save up enough funds to then go and commit another six months of the year to the Lord's work in uh, mission work, um, what uh, is commonly known as fly and builds. What's a fly and build? Well, for those who may not be aware of the term, uh, a fly and build simply means you fly somewhere that can be within Australia or in, in, the, in times past, quite often it's outside Australia, in the, what we would class as the mission fields where the need is even greater uh, in those areas uh, where buildings have been either, either dilapidated or they're needing to increase uh, or they're starting something up new. And uh, trades people would fly, uh, take their tools, and uh, the local people would provide the material usually. And uh, then you'd spend that time. You'd, you'd get a team together and uh, spend the time in construction. Now, that was your plan, but it didn't work out, did it? No, that, uh, that, that was my plan, yes. But um, 1995, uh, early in the 95, I had a couple of uh, incidences during my work that, um, and perhaps uh, the blokes uh, listening may relate to this more so than our, our uh, precious ladies. In the, the she'll be right, mate, attitude and you almost have to be on death's bed before you go and see a doctor so to speak well my left leg gave way um, twice and on the second time I realized I better go and get this checked out Um, my wife's a nurse so I had some pressure there when I let her know uh, to go and do something about it long story short uh, after all the tests um, examinations etc and some of those weren't all that nice I might add the conclusion was uh, a surgery uh, on my back uh, had a, a major prolapse on um, L5S1, which basically meant a laminectomy um, surgery. Unfortunately for me, uh, the surgeon's advice after surgery was, if you don't want to see me again, this is what you need to do. And uh, that involved not lifting anything greater than 20 kilos. So you never went back to carpentry? Unfortunately, no. Uh, not not as, as self-employed. I uh, ended up selling my equipment and um, umming and ahhing for quite some time as to what I t- should do. In those days, uh, recovery was quite extensive. Uh, it took about 10 months 
to recover from the surgery. Uh, and I was 34 at the time, which allowed me the opportunity to learn about domestic duties, which I had un- uh, unfortunately uh, never learnt in any great degree anyway. Uh, my precious wife at that stage obviously needed to work and work hard, which she did, and I'm forever in her debt. Uh, but learning all the things about running a home with we had two young children uh, was not an easy task. But, um, yeah, we learnt a lot of things and it gave me a much deeper and uh, better understanding of what um, my precious wife has to do in conjunction with working full-time as well. Let's go back to that hospital bed. Tell me about what happened there. I guess when you think about or when you have the opportunity to think, uh, as much as you can anyway in relationship to drugs, uh, I've never been used to, to drugs Uh, when you're lying on the bed, your mind is taking you all over the place. And the biggest age-old question when you're you're feeling sorry for yourself, and I think the drugs help that as well, is uh, why me Uh, process. And, of course, I'm I'm, I'm your average person, so I thought of those things, and uh, I didn't understand. I thought the, uh, the dreams that I had, the goals that I had set, were real, um, realistic and achievable. And I thought uh, that's what the Lord wanted me to do. Um, but of course, when you're on the bed with, uh, I think I had about 18 staples uh, in my back, umming and ahhing, thinking, well, that's it. That's history. That's My dreams are shattered. Uh, what now? Uh, and of course, with the, uh, the drugs, I couldn't think. So not, not clearly anyway. Uh, I tried reading. Didn't work. So uh, I contacted my wife. I said, could you bring some music in? And uh, we, we have always loved music, um, is listening uh, to it. And so she brought some music in. And in those days, uh, I don't know if you can remember the Walkmans. They, they weren't uh, micro-sized in those days. And it had a cassette. Now, some of your younger listeners won't even know what that is. Um, but uh, it's a tape uh, with music on it. And um, I was able to listen to music, and that gave me some uh, relief. Uh, and uh, and some peace, and one of the songs in that a particular album that I was listening to, sung by a beautiful gospel singer uh, called Steve Green from America, moved me so much. Uh, and I hadn't had a song move me the way that moved me. Uh, the song was called "We Believe," and uh, it talks about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then the end of time, and it is really is the gospel. Uh, in about five minutes uh, of, of beautiful words. And I felt so moved with that song that, that, and convicted that that message needed to be shared. And that's where the, the journey began. So what did you decide to do at that point? Once I got out of hospital, uh, I, I had some uh, family or friends that were involved in music, so I knew that you could get hold of backing tapes and CDs. Um, so I followed uh, the leads uh, to be able to do that, and I ordered the We Believe backing tape. Well, I think it was a CD uh, for that. And I thought, well, I can give it any time. I have no idea what I'm doing. I can give it as much time as it needs. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, nothing ventured, nothing gained. At least I tried um, from the conviction in my heart. And so it came, and uh, I started practicing it uh, in the shower, 
because you get a lot of nice reverb in the shower. In the now, at this point, I should say that you didn't really feel that you were a singer. No, no, no. I I had sung in congregations in church for for my life, um, but yeah, never never had sung solo uh, before. So I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, I was following a conviction, and that's all. So you're singing in the shower. What happened then? Unbeknownst to me, my wife was listening, and uh, shortly after I had started learning the song, um, or trying to learn the song. Some friends of ours came over for a meal and shared with us that they were planning a program, a music program, to, um, to celebrate uh, springtime, I think it was. In, in, that was back in 95, yeah, in 1995. And uh, my precious wife dobbed me in because I wasn't going to tell a soul until I had it all, what I thought was ready, if it, if it was going to be ready. And then this argument broke out uh, in our home and uh, I had three against one. And, of course, when you look at the odds, I didn't have a chance. So I had to give in and commit, which I think looking back on it now, I think that was the Lord's way of saying, I want you to do this and I need you to do this. Don't play around with it. Get serious. So, of course, when you commit to a date, you've got to get serious. Um, so, again, I didn't know what I was doing. And that's where I want to give all the credit and the praise to the Lord. Um, so you committed to sing this song. Did you actually sing it at the time? For them, uh, a short, a short, a short uh, version. Uh, yes, yeah, only a couple of probably one verse. Did uh, you get any encouragement at that point? Well, that was the argument. So you have to, they, their response was you have to be in the program. Now tell me about your first song in public. Oh, <laughs> well, um, the the experience uh, I can still remember it today as if I was there, and this that's obviously a few years ago. Actually, next year it'll be twenty years. It's amazing how time flies. I have, have been exposed to being up the front in a, in a church, in speaking, uh, in some of my roles within a church structure. So going up the front wasn't a strange thing to do, and the congregation had seen me up the front previously, so that wasn't strange to them either. When it came time for me to go up the front, I walked down the aisle, and because the introduction to We Believe is quite lengthy, they started it early as I was walking down. And later on, I got feedback uh, I didn't realise this at the time, but later on I got feedback to, to tell me when uh, people who knew me heard that music, they thought, oh, he's going to recite a poem, uh, which was not my norm, I might add. I don't know why they thought that. But anyway, I got myself together, got the microphone, and when the time came to start singing, off I went. The knees were shaking horrifically. I couldn't hold my hand steady with the microphone. And I was trying to find my wife, uh, that moral support that you, you need so desperately when you're in a huge adrenaline rush of uh, nerves. And, you know, I scanned the whole congregation and couldn't find her while I'm singing this song. And uh, that fascinates me how the Lord can actually work through you while you're thinking about something else. And uh, as I'm looking around to try and find her, I'm halfway through the song or more. And all I can see is this whole congregation as if I was at a fair. You remember the, uh, the clowns with their mouths wide open and you put the table tennis balls in mm -hmm. their mouths? As I'm scanning, looking for my wife, all I can see is all these heads with their mouths open as if I was going to put a table tennis ball in each <laughs> of their mouths. <laughs> 
And I didn't understand that. I'm thinking, oh, am I doing something wrong? Uh, is this not working? Um, all these negative things that are going through your mind while you're still trying to complete the song. And, uh, and then, of course, all that reflection you try and throw out because this is, this is not about me. This is all about the Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, and the message in the song. You want, you want these people to hear this message because that's why you're there. Yes. Um, and that's, that's the, the first song that I ever sang. Tell me about your wife's experience with her friend at that first, at that first song. Well, the, uh, what, you, what I need to explain uh, to you and your listeners first is that my wife is my humility. And uh, she's very forthright in expressing whether something's nice or not nice, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm looking for her, needing to, to get an eye contact with her for that support that I needed because she's more nervous than I am. Even today, uh, all this time down the pathway, she's more nervous than I am. Uh, and I'm, I'm still nervous, mind you. Anyway, she was sitting with a friend right up the back, she tells me, because I never, I, I should say, I never found her in the scanning. And she's uh, talking to her friend, and her friend says, oh, what's David? Uh, David's going down the front. Is he, uh, is he going to do a poem or something? And uh, my wife, uh, her name's Lynn. She said, no, he's going to sing. And uh, her friend's response was, oh, really? This could be quite embarrassing. <laughs> Total confidence, obviously. And uh, uh, anyway, uh, I'm not sure how that went as far as the process goes during because I never got eye contact with them. But uh, after the program, uh, my wife tells me that uh, her response was that the song was absolutely beautiful. And, of course, I can't take the credit for that because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just following a commitment, a conviction, and uh, I was completely in the Lord's hands. And I can testify today that that hasn't changed. So by this time, you're beginning to understand that you actually have a voice and a future in music ministry? Yes, that, that was a very um, abrupt, I guess you could say, realisation that God had planned a different path to what I had visioned uh, with the fly and build So ministry. the fly and build ministry, that door was closed because of your injury and the operation, and yet God opened another door for you into a very beautiful music ministry in the future. How wonderful. Can I, this may sound like a cliche, but you know, looking back, I wouldn't have changed it for the world. The experience, the walk I've had with my Saviour and the opportunities that have been open to me to share him um, surpass anything that I could have done as a carpenter. Hmm. Um, I still, I'm still involved in the building industry, so that hasn't been lost. Uh, but I just see that uh, the Lord's ways are not our ways. And uh, I'm just amazed even today at what he does. How did the ministry develop after that point? Well, that, that's an excellent question. Um, I must confess I didn't know where it was going to go. I didn't know what God had planned. And uh, can I also encourage your listeners? One of the lessons I've learned in that area is that it's not the ability that God is looking for. It's our availability. And um, all he needed was for me, for my heart to be available, and then he would direct me. We have over in Perth, there's a beautiful gospel band 
Uh, when I say band, um, there's a whole range of instruments that they have, violins, trumpets, flute, uh, keyboards, uh, classic, uh, classical guitar, bass guitar, etc., uh, percussion. Um, they've been around a long time and uh, uh, was shortly after uh, that song uh, I received an invitation to come and join them. They were looking for a male vocalist. And uh, wow, what a steep learning curve that was because I had practiced one song, maybe two. I think they came and listened to a second song that I sang in a program. And uh, the leader of the uh, of, of Spectrum uh, approached me and said, would I be interested? And that went on for probably a bit over nine years. I was with the group and uh, we toured around in WA um, to c- doing community um, music for um, different programs and churches and just had the most wonderful experience and learning um, all about music ministry with live music. It's very different to um, working with backing. When did you start God's Love for You? God's Love for You uh, was only not that long ago, actually. Uh, once I decided we needed to put a CD together, uh, and that was after a concert I did in 2010 uh, in Townsville. I uh, had so many people asking for a CD, uh, which was a very humbling experience, I might add, but disappointing that I had to say, I'm sorry, I don't have one. Um, but you are working on one, aren't you, David? Yes, yes, very much so. Uh, we've hit a, a few snags here and there, but um, I'm hoping, if not this year, next year, it should be available. Uh, God willing, of course. Uh, there's, uh, there's a lot involved, um, and of course I'm ignorant in a lot of those areas, but I have a lot of uh, friends and uh, people that the Lord is leading me to, uh, to be able to guide me and direct me, and I'm excited about that. I'm sure it'll be a very beautiful CD when it, when it arrives. I look forward to it. David, we want to um, play another song now, and this is a very beautiful song called Zion. Would you like to introduce it for us? Absolutely. Zion... It's titled Zion. It's sung by Steve Green, written in 2010, by a a lady called Heather Headley and Keith Thomas. And when you listen to the words in this song, it it highlights who God is, not not only where he is, but who he is. Um, And I think the, the, the critical part of this song that moves me every time I sing it uh, is down towards the end where it talks about him as the giver of life. And uh, I don't know about you, but I need constantly, uh, constant reminders that God is my creator, that I'm not um, invincible. Um, mortality is reality. And uh, as, as I sing this um, song and get to that part in the song, um, it really comes home that my need of the creator and who he is uh, is so great. And I hope you enjoy it. Let's listen to the song now. This day, the gift of 
your grace, your love, and your righteousness. Your love and your righteousness. Our Father who reigns on Zion, broken we bow. Here in this place, come as we praise the power of your holy name, the power of your holy name. Let every voice and nation and tower how pure are your ways in faith we surrender to your call in feet still and complete in all of your holiness in all of your David, that's a very special song, isn't it? Oh, very. Very beautiful. It moves me. Tell me about what motivates you to keep going in your ministry. Well, time's running out, according to the Bible and uh, prophecy, and it's not rocket science. You only have to look around the world to see we're running out of time. This world won't last forever. Even secular people are, are questioning what's going on. And uh, with the conviction of the gospel uh, in my heart, I believe that the, the message needs to be spread as quickly and as widely as possible. Music uh, is a dimension that God has created within us like nothing else. And uh, it's so powerful. Uh, you only have to look at the different versions of music uh, around the world and how um, powerful they are in moving people in particular directions. What greater direction could you have than the gospel of bringing hope to people? 
What impact has your music had? Do you have some stories about the impact of your music? Well, it is difficult to to itemise it in in reference to the feedback um, in ministry, uh, and I I guess there'll be many times uh, one day that people will come up and say, you know that song you sang way back then, uh, that was the door I needed to um, to search and seek um, the Father, etc. etc. Uh, so I guess it's the feedback. Uh, that you get encouraging you to go on where you know in your own heart uh, and I can testify that the songs uh, these particular songs that we're sharing today have moved me so much that I firmly believe that the Lord uses these songs to move people to him and I guess that's probably the um, the impact that I know what an impact it had on me so if someone is listening out there, someone is searching out there, I don't know what song, when, where, how or why that God uses. All I know is that he uses those songs in his time to draw those people to him. And uh, I've been involved in, in uh, fundraising and concerts, etc., cetera, um, and programs, uh, mission programs. And uh, yeah, they, they have drawn people. Uh, the music opens the heart for the message, whatever that message may be. And uh, I couldn't think of what better opportunity to warm people to the Lord, to hear the truth, um, than music and gospel music. Clearly it's a very satisfying thing for you. We're going to listen to another one of your songs now, David. It's a very reflective song, and it's called I Repent. Would you like to introduce it for us? Mm, indeed. This is written by David Knoll, Phil Nash and Steve Green way back in 98. And perhaps some of your listeners weren't born then, but uh, the, the title, I Repent, as you've rightly said, is reflective. And for me, it's a constant reminder that uh, we deal, we live in this world of good and evil and a constant reminder that my relationship with Jesus is of the most and uttermost importance and I fail him miserably, often, day by day. So this, the, these beautiful words, um, not, not force, but remind me of my desperate need of him daily, that I need to come to him to confess to him and repent uh, of my selfishness and evil ways. I have tasted that you were never real And I confess that though your love is in me It doesn't always win me when competing with my I repent, making no excuses. I repent, no 
truly is a, a beautiful song, isn't it? Well, we're going to go to a break now. When we come back, I'll be talking with David about his early life and his spiritual development. If you have any questions or comments in relation to today's program, you can call 3ABM Australia Radio within Australia on 02 4973 3456 or from outside of Australia on country code 612-4973-3456. Our email address is radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. That is radio at the number 3abnaustralia, all one word, .org.au. Our postal address is 3ABN Australia Inc., P.O. Box 752, Morissette, New South Wales, 2264 Australia. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. I'm Dr Barry Harker and you're listening to Life Learnings. I'm talking with David Aitken about his singing ministry, God's Love for You. David, where were you born and where did you grow up? 
Well, I hope I don't put your listeners off, but I was born in Carlton, in Melbourne, and grew up in the suburbs, um, down the southeast and in the eastern suburbs. Probably the, the most fun times, were uh, memory-wise, uh, is out in the eastern suburbs in a, a, a town called Seville between Lilydale and Warburton. I'm sure some of our listeners will know it. Tell me about your family. Grew up in a, a simple family, mum and dad, my sister, younger sister, just the four of us. And uh, mum and dad, um, well, dad was the worker, mum was the home, um, home worker. <laughs> and uh, mum and dad had come through uh, in, actually they were brought up in Brighton, in uh, Melbourne, in uh, Church of England, if my memory serves me right. Uh, although mum tells me that uh, my grandfather grew up in the Salvation Army. And, uh, Were there any singers in your background? Uh, well, apparently, uh, my grandfather uh, sang. Um, I, I'd never heard him, um, unfortunately. And uh, my grandmother, on my dad's side, was musical, uh, played the piano and sang. Uh, but again, I never heard her. Um, she was a lot older when uh, I was born. And um, she... She passed away when, she, I think she was about 86 when she passed away, 84, 86, and I was only around 21, 22, so you never got to hear her. So music wasn't basically part of your family life or your, your family experience? No, only listening. Yeah, Mum and Dad loved listening to music, and uh, I was growing up exposed to hearing music, um, but that's as far as it went, yeah. What about religion in your family? That, that's an interesting story. Uh, I guess briefly, uh, mum and I, I remember mum and dad telling me there was a, uh, a, con- a convention, a huge uh, convention in Melbourne, uh, running uh, evangelistic convention run by Billy Graham. And uh, you have to forgive me, I can't remember the year, but it would have been around 1960, somewhere there. And they were convicted at the end of that, even though they were raised in uh, the Church of England. Uh, they were convicted about uh, taking that further. And uh, fascinating with the evangelistic program is that apparently they had pastors from a whole range of denominations that were there to take under their wings the people who came, who were, who were convicted in answering that call to accept Jesus as their personal saviour. And uh, mum and dad walked over to a pastor and uh, he took them under his wing and uh, they decided to eventually have Bible studies and wanted to be baptised. So they got baptised and uh, what I have omitted is that that pastor was a pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Uh, For your listeners, I'm not sure if they're familiar with Seventh-day Adventists. uh, Mum and dad believed that that was the truth of um, what the Bible taught and were convicted uh, to become uh, members and be baptised. What uh, that was my first baptism. Uh, I was I was baptised. Um, I'm trying to think of my age. I think I was minus three months, minus four months, somewhere around there. So your mother was expecting you when she got baptised. She was, yes. So uh, that that happened, and then we were raised. Uh, my sister and I were raised in the Adventist Church uh, and the faith, and then went. Uh, I went to public school in primary many different ones. Mum and Dad loved moving around. And then uh, back to high school, to uh, an Adventist high school in Lilydale. It's called Lilydale Adventist Academy. Beautiful property, beautiful school. And uh, went through high school. 
um, the school provided uh, baptismal classes at lunchtimes, and uh, my church pastor, uh, the late Percy Holmes, uh, had a chat with me one day and uh, got me interested in thinking about baptism. And uh, with the school off- offering the baptismal classes, I joined that at lunchtimes and went through those classes. I think it was around 1974 that uh, I had the bapti- uh, was baptised on the school premises. And then from there, um, finished school, went and did a trade um, with the, the late Carl Stoneman uh, in a, a company, building company in Melbourne called Stoneman and Epps in those days. Tell me about that um, experience of that company that you worked for. Oh, um, yes. Well, that's that's a bit further up the path. Uh, did I had quite a, way, a range of occupations after doing my trade, and one of those occupations was in sales. And a company I worked for in those days, uh, it's uh, it was called Greycross, selling wholesale bicycles to retail. And the company was owned and run by an Adventist uh, family. And uh, each morning they opened the office in, in the process, they opened it up to all the staff, and most of the staff uh, weren't Christian, uh, but anyone could come in. And uh, some of the sales staff would take it in turns of having worship. And uh, one particular morning, one of the sales staff quoted a paragraph from a book, and the content of the paragraph caught my attention uh, seriously. And uh, I talked to him afterwards, I said, Brian, I've got to know where you got that quote from. And he said to me, oh, I got it from a beautiful little book called Steps to Christ. Haven't you read it? As if to say, everybody's read Steps to Christ. And I had to admit, I was 23 at the time. I said, no, I haven't read it. So I was all excited about that because I don't remember the the detail of the, of the paragraph, but I remember catching a glimpse of Jesus that I had never seen before. And uh, I raced home uh, at the end of work and I said, Dad, I was living at home at the time, Dad, have you got the book Steps to Christ? And uh, he said, yes, of course, and went to the library and of course well, I read that little book from cover to cover. And it changed my life in how I saw Jesus Christ. And uh, right up to today, to this very day, uh, the author, uh, Mrs. E.G. White, is my favourite author of um, of the current times. David, what have you learned from your life that you think we all absolutely ought to know? Wow. I, I would have to say that the Bible is true, it can be trusted, and that it tells me that Jesus Christ is, not could be, or not maybe, but is the Son of God, that I'm in desperate need of him as a saviour, that this world is not going to last forever, and that he has promised to come back, and that I need to be at right with him through his grace and his righteousness and, um, and spread the good news because we are in so desperate need of hope. The world's not in a good space at the moment, is it? No, it's not. It's not, and uh, the travels that I'm blessed with, the, uh, the availability to do, uh, it's opening my eyes, the areas that I have never seen before, and uh, it's convincing me all the more that um, the gospel needs to be shared, uh, the good news needs to be shared, because uh, we're running out of time. 
David, do you have a favourite passage of scripture that you'd like to uh, read to us? I'm glad you asked. Yes, absolutely. It's found in Psalms in the Old Testament. And this is on the back of your business card. It is, yes. Um, It's uh, chapter 63, verse 3, and it reads, Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. And the motivation behind that, um, we we were blessed. Uh, I guess... The fact here is really, it it rang home to me that uh, God loves me uh, better than life because he gave his life for Mm, me. mm. And um, I I can't emphasize that any more than than the text, the way the text reads, because the motivation for sharing in song is exactly that. I can't do anything but praise him for his love for me. David's final song today is uh, another very beautiful song called Sorrow Mixed with Light. Would you like to introduce it for us, David? Sure. The, the, uh, the title, as you've said, Sorrow Mixed with Light, uh, was written by Doug McKelvey, and uh, the music was by Steve Green in 2005. And this, the, the message in this song is so powerful, especially today that we are seeing so much sorrow uh, this deals with uh, joy, but it also deals with sorrow, with the loss of life. And we are seeing more than ever the needless loss of life uh, with disease, with um, wars, uh, with hatred. Uh, it just seems to be growing exponentially um, currently. And the uh, the realisation, the message in this song is the realisation that life is, as it says in one of, uh, one of the, in the first verse, that uh, life is like a mist on the field and will vanish in the wind. So all the more reason to make life count, all the more reason that we're here for such a short period of time that we need to share Jesus Christ, to, to, to let them know there's more to this life than this life. Um, and the punchline in this song is at the end. Uh, not everything is rosy. When you choose to follow Jesus Christ, he doesn't promise a bed of roses. Um, And the learning processes through the walk with him shows us that refining process. Um, As it says down the bottom and in the last verse, not every earthly tear that falls will be wiped away. Um, These are life's experiences that we are to learn from. Let's listen to the song now. Is this breath of life like mist on the field will vanish in the wind? All we've come to know fades before our eyes, and what tomorrow brings, who of us can say beyond the sorrow? Mixed with light For somewhere in between The beauty and the tears This is where we live our lives 
That's a wonderful selection, David. Um, I'm wondering now whether you would like to just close our conversation today with a prayer for our listeners. That would be a privilege, Barry. Thank you. Father in heaven, we stand before you, humbled by your majesty. Even though we are in this dark, sin-sick world and there's so many people hurting out there, so many people asking the question, why? as I asked so long ago. But you have not left us in darkness. You have given us your word, your light, your living word. My prayer for everyone listening today is that whatever they are questioning, whatever they are seeking, that they may seek you. For you have all the answers to all their questions and that you have promised you are coming home. You are coming to take us home. And I pray that everyone listening will be ready when you come. Bless us to this end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, David. And thank you so much for talking with me today and also sharing your music with us. I wish you the very best for your music ministry. I know that it will touch the lives of people. It's touched my life today. and I'm sure it's touched the lives of our listeners as well. So thank you for sharing with us today. 
Remember to tune in again next time as I talk with another fascinating guest on Life Learnings. Bye for now and God bless you and keep you. You've been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.